You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Are you looking for a way to build your personal brand? Do you want to get your firm and brand featured in publications and grow in social media? Well, then you're listening to the right episode of Critical Mass Radio Show because Leonard Kim, managing partner at Influence Tree, and his team work to make this all possible for you and executives just like you. Leonard is a top writer author of The Etiquette of Social Media, and I've asked him to join us today to share how branding is essential to building your recognition online. Leonard, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Rick. I do appreciate it. Uh, I'm excited to have you here, and I'd just like to thank the sponsors and advertisers, Center Club, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, SunUp Group, and Tea & Company. If you'd like to learn more about our radio show, our CEO peer groups, and more about our firm, then visit my company's website www.criticalmass4for.business.com all right leonard let's start just simply can you tell us a little bit about what are the keys to successful personal branding well the first keys to a, a successful personal brand all begins in the foundation one of the key things you would need is a funnel that funnel will be able to help guide uh, traffic into your uh, pipeline so you're able to uh, distinguish leads for uh, whatever category of business that you're in. The next key thing that you need is you need a bio, a bio that has a lot of personality, not like the corporate type of bios that you see on LinkedIn, but things with a little more personality, because what happens with those is people are bu- able to build trust and rapport off of reading that uh, authorship from you, because when you're in person, you're able to ask questions like, um, do you like surfing? Do you like doing this? Do you like doing that? But online, you don't really get to ask anything. So you have to tell people what you like and start to build rapport off of that. The next thing you need to build up a successful personal brand is going to be an area of expertise that you dominate. You're going to have to showcase your expertise online so people know that you're the go-to source for whatever you do, whether it's marketing, business, um, entrepreneurship, or any niche in between that. Can I ask you in that area? Because I think that, for me, uh, in my experience, seeing how other businesses and individuals have worked to position themselves, this is sort of one of the most difficult yet critically important aspects of building your online brand. How do you advise your clients on really determining their area of expertise. It's a little bit of a difficult process to really figure out exactly what you're good at, especially like let's say if you're a consultant, you probably know finance, you probably know marketing, you probably know sales. And it gets really hard to really identify exactly what you're key at. What I like to do is I like to break down the process to figure out exactly what I like doing for one. So one, you have to look at what you like doing the most out of all those skills that you have. Okay. Two is you have to look at one key thing that you want to really focus on that you could see yourself doing for maybe 10, 20, 30 years instead of something where you just dread. Like if I was uh, branding myself as someone who liked to do spreadsheets and finance, I'd probably be miserable. Exactly. But then I do enjoy marketing and I do enjoy building up personal brands. So that's where I put my expertise. And another thing is you do have to at least have like a few years of experience behind sure, it where sure. you're really an expert and you do know how to do it. Because right. a lot of us, we have muscle memory and we know how to do things. It's just a little bit harder to display what we're good at because 
it just gets in the mix and it just feels normal to us. Right. Sometimes sitting down on maybe like a radio show or a podcast or maybe getting interviewed by someone, they're able to really dig and ask you more in-depth questions okay. to really drive out what you're really good at. Okay. So that's one thing you could do. You could go and find a colleague to just sit there and interview you and ask you questions so you could really sit there and think of what you are good at. Another thing you could do is you could get a bunch of post-it notes and you could write um, one word on each of them, stating what you think you're good at. Then you get another stack and you give them out to your friends and you're like, just write one word of mm. what you think about on there for me. And when you have them all together, you could see how you see yourself and how others see you and see what you could do to combine all of those to make a common um, brand and common elements together. We're talking with Leonard Kim. He is managing partner at Influence Tree, and we're talking about right now in this part of the interview kind of personal branding and coming up with your brand positioning online. How how narrow or how wide do you generally advise your clients to put their niche? Not too narrow, because like if you go too far in the niche, then you're only going to get one specific type of audience, okay. and it's going to Let's say there's only a thousand companies out there that could potentially hire you. Maybe a hundred companies are looking, then you're competing in a small pool. Okay. Um, I would go maybe one niche above that. So let's say, for example, for social media, there's four elements. There's community management, which is um, communicating with the community. There's content creation. Uh-huh. There's um, growth, which is building your audience. Then there's also um, advertising. So... If you really wanted to go down with a far niche, you would pick one of those four. But okay. then if you want to go to the higher area where you could get a lot more clients, then you would say social media instead. Interesting. So you could capture all four of those audiences. Yeah, it's uh, you know, uh, I'm listening and learning as I'm interviewing him, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm as much engaged as a as a practitioner as I am as a dispassionate host. Uh, and we're talking with Leonard Kim on Critical Mass Radio Show. So. In my area, which is about peer learning and, and building peer groups, mm-hmm. you know, finding the right combination of services that people recognize as something they need mm-hmm. or they understand what it is is always a challenge in my profession as well because it it is a it, it needs sometimes it needs to be more fully explored before people understand. Oh, I see how this could benefit me. What do you, what advice do you give to people who are in that space? What would you say is one area above uh, peer uh, peer learning groups? Um, what would I say is one area above peer learning groups? Well, I think many of the members who come to the community are coming there because they're looking for fresh ideas and perspectives, a new way of dif- a different way of doing their business beyond their current brain trust that they have in their companies. Maybe one thing that you could do to expand upon your personal brand is just go a niche higher and talk about how you're a brand guy and an idea guy. Uh-huh. And when you have that type of um, presence behind you people will be able to then you get a bigger audience instead of just the people who are looking for peer groups right you're looking for people who are looking for ideas okay and that opens you up to all the people who are looking for marketing agencies advertising agencies and every and everyone else like that got it now even if they're already working with a marketing marketing agency or an advertising agency they uh-huh. can still work with you because you spe- you specialize in the peer groups exactly we're talking with Leonard Kim see we're making him work right here on the radio show getting a little free consulting as we're learning by doing and I'm talking with him about uh, the first question of, of the many questions that I have today was really about the keys to successful personal branding and we, we got through a number of them and we, we have about two minutes left for the um, next commercial break so uh, Leonard I, I didn't mean to take you off your, your, your momentum there around helping our audience understand how they go about building their personal branding footprint. Any other key elements, essentials that they need to be aware of? Uh, once you start uh, 
explaining yourself as the expert, what you need to do next is you need others stating that you're an expert in the area, like magazines, publications, um, radio shows, podcasts, and things like that. You need other people to start to endorse you. Is that hard to get? I mean, you're here on Critical Mass Radio Show on octalkradio.net. But in addition to that, I know you've been published in major uh, international, national publications as well. It's hard to get if you do it the wrong way. Most people don't go out there to build out a connection. They just do a cold pitch. They don't build relationships. They don't get to know people. Okay. But, I mean, imagine if you were just meeting a girl for the first time in the park. You're going to want to get to know her. You're going to want to be her friend. And maybe she'll be able to um, turn into something more than that. Maybe you'll end up with a relationship. Maybe not. But you have to w- focus on building up that relationship with these people instead of just going in for a cold pitch. Mm-hmm. Like, I get pitched all the time because people want to be in Ink Magazine. I get, like, hundreds and hundreds of emails, and they all go into a spam box. Okay. So these are all pitches that go on every single day, and I don't want to be pitched all the time. You don't want to be pitched all the time. You right. want someone who you can genuinely create a bond with and create a friendship with. Okay. So it isn't hard if you take that approach, but if you take the approach of just trying to pitch, 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 then it's definitely right. nearly impossible to do. Right. You, you, they, they've all met, Like you did, they've already put up systems to block you. Exactly. Right. Okay. Well, uh, my engineer's telling me it's time for our first commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. So when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. We're going to explore the concept of social proof as well. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back with Leonard Kim after these words from our sponsors. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. Hey, did you know that over 73% of consumer packaged goods and retail products fail miserably within their first year? Why? Because they find themselves in the pit of unawareness. You don't want to go there. Call me, and I'll make sure that your packaging gets noticed. You know how I know? Because I'm the founder and creative director of MBN Design. We're one of Orange County's most established and trusted design firms. With over 20 years of experience, I can ensure that your brand will always stay new. Ask me how our packaging sold millions in months, or see for yourself other success stories on our website at www.mbndesign.com. We're MBN because we're making brands new. Call 714-458-8701 and talk to me, Hector Garcia. That's myself. 714-458-8701. I'll be waiting for your call. I just want to share with you my experience as a member of Center Club. Many of you know that I've been a member of Center Club in Costa Mesa, California for over six years. I hold my monthly CEO peer group meetings, my annual executive conferences, and my daily meetings at the club. I found the staff to be professional and courteous. My guests enjoy meeting at Center Club with its newly remodeled meeting rooms, dining rooms, and common areas. If you're looking for a place to conduct meetings, host events, maybe a future wedding, birthday party, some type of celebration, 
or maybe just meet some of Orange County's most successful business leaders, then consider joining Center Club in Costa Mesa. For information regarding club membership and private events, please visit club's website at center-club.com. Okay, welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. Of course, our show can be heard live each week here on octalkradio.net, and all of our shows can also be heard anytime on iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have been appear, have been on our show, and the company has put the interview somewhere on their website. Since we started our show in 2009, we've reached over 170,000 listeners, listeners with our podcast. Simply type in these four words in your favorite podcasting software. You ready? Critical Mass Radio Show. All right, let's return to our interview with Leonard Kim. He is the managing partner at Influence Tree. We started out by talking about the keys to successful branding. I want to shift a little bit now to the concept of social proof. Can, can you kind of set the stage for the conversation we're going to have about social proof? Can you define it for my audience, please? Sure. Well, social proof is um, the proof that you have of others who are endorsing you and what people see online when they look you up. Like, imagine, Rick, if someone were to Google you, what would they find? Oh, you're asking me? Mm -hmm. Oh, they're going to find tons of content. They're Mm -hmm. going to find all these live shows. They're going to find the the shows that I do in person. They're going to find the white papers and the books that I've read, I've written, excuse me. They're going to also find my blog posts that I do on a regular basis. Perfect. Well, for most people, when you Google them, you might see maybe their Facebook page, maybe their Twitter page, maybe their LinkedIn. Sometimes you don't find any of that. Right. Um, To set the stage for what social proof is, I could use an example of two different types of people. Like, let's say these two people are both consultants. One's maybe in their late 40s, early 50s, somewhere in that range. They've been working in uh, the consulting industry for, like, 20 to 30 years. They've had maybe, like, medium to big size wins with, like, Walmart, Target, and bigger companies like that. These people, they go out there, and they've created such a successful career for themselves, but... Let's say they're not the best in the industry who gets all the referrals, but maybe they're top-tiered. They still have to go out there and drive new business. Now, this person, when you look them up online and you Google their name, you might come across their LinkedIn page with 281 connections and no recommendations. You may come across their Twitter with 23 followers. You may find their personal Facebook page, and that might be all you see. Now, on the other hand, you have someone who's maybe in their early 30s, late 20s, who graduated from some Ivy League college. They're working at maybe a consultancy like maybe Deloitte or McKinsey & Co. This person, um, since they're a little bit younger, they're more savvy with how the Internet works. So as they've been delivering for their clients, they've been investing onto the Internet as well. When you Google them, what you see is you find... The first thing you find is their own personal website. They have a web presence of their own, unlike the other person. Then the next thing you find out is they have over 500 LinkedIn connections. Maybe they have 13 recommendations on their page. Then when you go over to their Twitter, they might have like maybe 2,000 followers on there. They don't have one of those regular Facebook pages. Maybe they have one that's more of a business page that's Mm -hmm. set up for them. Then when you Google them and you look through the listings, you see maybe something from Inc. Magazine, Forbes, Huffington Post, or something like that. So this person went out there and he created social proof. It wasn't him saying he was great at everything. It was everyone else saying that he was great at it. And now when you compare consultant A to consultant B, even if consultant B is less experienced and maybe has only small to medium-sized wins under his belt, 
when they go and put that bid into that contract to um, for that new consultancy gig, chances are nine times out of ten, the younger person's going to get it because he has more social proof behind him, while the uh, older gentleman's going to have to go out there and go find the recommendations that he has, go send them and deliver them in, have them call Walmart, have them call Target, and all of this. And he has to prove that he really is who he says he is, while the uh, younger person has all of that said for him on his online profiles already. Okay. So a part of social proof clearly is re- recommendations and th- things that individuals are saying about you. Many times clients, uh, people people believe what others say about you more than we say about it ourselves, right? Exactly. It's, it has much more value. In your working with clients, is there any keys to getting the proper type of referral recommendation from your clients? Is there a best practice there? What do you suggest uh, they do to make sure the, the, the recommendations they get uh, actually resonate with prospective clients? Well, it really depends what kind of field you're in. Like, let's say um, you're in your 40s or your 50s and you've been doing business for a long time and most of your clients are in that same age range. Mm-hmm. You're going to want something more structured and more corporate and more geared towards your specific audience. You wouldn't want someone to talk about how fun it was to go hang out with you at the park, but you want them to really just write the um, testimonial on analytics. Like, he brought up my percentages for my business by 300% from XYZ, something like that shows a lot of data. Now, if you're on the younger end and you're more like me and... Most of your clients, maybe in your 30s or 40s, you may be able to put a little bit of flair in there where you have a bit more personality and you're saying things where you're building bonds in that uh, recommendation instead of just having a standard cookie-cutter response. Okay. And any uh, advice you to give people on, um, do, does it need to say Rick Franzi, CEO, founder, critical master business, if I made a uh, recommendation for you, do I need to attribute it all the way back to who I am, or is your experience that if it's uh, almost anonymous, uh, you know, a leader of an entrepreneurial company in Orange County, are those do those provide the same level of social proof, or is it really bringing it down to an individual with an actual name and title? Is that more persuasive? I believe it's more persuasive when that person in that hill is in there. Um, if you're getting that testimonial directly on LinkedIn, you don't have to request any of that because it's all right, right there. Right. Um, if you're doing it for your own personal website. Like, I think personally, instead of saying Ellen says this about me, maybe if it says Ellen Verona and then, like, what she does, then okay. has a little bit more description behind her and maybe her picture, too, that has a lot more credibility. So we're talking with, sorry, Leonard Kim, who is managing partner of, of Influence Tree. So would you recommend huh, that people work to get LinkedIn recommendations? I mean... I don't really think LinkedIn is the best tool for going out there and networking and building your business. Uh, One of the key reasons for that is I went to go hire three health writers uh, about a week ago. And I I wanted to find someone who was credible in their field, so I went to a a website called Everyday Health. Okay. When I went onto that website, there were about 110 writers on there. Uh, 35 of them linked to their website, so they were easy to contact you. The other 35 linked to LinkedIn, okay. and the rest didn't have links or they went nowhere. Uh, with the 35 people that were left on LinkedIn, I wanted to contact them to see if they could put in a bid for uh, writing for me. Mm-hmm. The problem was none of the, everyone on LinkedIn, they displayed it all like it was a resume. It okay. was like their public resume, and no one set it up right. It's like, okay, I don't really want to know your experience. I want to contact you and start a dialogue with you so we could see if you could be working for me and you could be making an extra 1000 to $2,000 a month. 
Okay. And so, what should they have done differently then? What should they have done differently? One of the problems with LinkedIn is they have a thing called uh, in connection or in mail, mm-hmm. and you have to be a LinkedIn Premium member to um, send that out. But I don't use LinkedIn Premium. Okay. So the next best thing is if the person who's contacting you doesn't have LinkedIn Premium, you're going to want to have your email address on there, right? So someone could copy and paste it and send you that email. Okay. So, so in the contact section of mm-hmm. LinkedIn, where you can put your contact information, you need to make sure you have an easy way for people to find you if they know to even check that area of LinkedIn. Exactly. Is what I hear you saying. For me personally, I put my email into the um, header. Okay. So that's even easier then, right? So they can see it right there. All right. We're talking with Leonard Kim. He is the managing partner of Influence Tree. So let's talk a little bit about what Influence Tree does. Tell me a little bit about the type of work you do for clients. Sure. Well, we do two things at Influence Tree. One thing is a course where we teach people for a set fee every single month, everything that they need to know about building up their personal brand, from how to get featured in publications, to how to growth hack their social media, to setting up their bios, to basically doing everything. (laughs) Then on the upper echelon of things, we have a package that starts at five figures, where we do everything for them. We help them build their bios. We position them as experts in their fields. We get them into publications, and we do all the work for them. We grow their social media following to the tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands as well. And what type of companies do you work with? We work with all types of companies. I mean, any type of company where you can put a face into the front of the brand to make it stronger, that's the type of companies that we work with. Like, for example, I've been working with a company. uh, They work in the investment field. And when you're in the investment field nowadays, since 2008, people have been really skeptical skeptical about what kind of companies they're investing into, especially with movies like Wolf of Wall Street, the stock right. market crash, and everything like that. Exactly. So one person that I'm working with, what we're doing is we realize that he, like his salespeople, when they go out there and they're sitting with a new client, these clients are getting scared because they're like, wow, this person's out for my money. I saw that movie, Wolf of Wall Street. They're <laughs> You're just all like sharks, that. huh? Yeah. yeah, they're all sharks. So they're like Wolf. scared. And the only way to counter that is if you stop being an entity and you start becoming a person. So what we are working on with that situation is we're moving the CEO into becoming the face of the company and moving the company into the back. We're building up his profile so he becomes more personable, so he's more approachable, and becoming more the type of person that you can really trust your kids with. And by building out that bio for him, what we're doing is we're creating more trust in the field where a lot of people are going to contact him in regards to putting their investment portfolios of hundreds of thousands of dollars into him as opposed to having his people go out there and look like these sharks that were on uh, these movies and that kind of resonates in their mind when they think of the uh, recession and with investing in general. So what in your experience, I'm talking with Leonard Kim. He is the managing partner at Influence Tree. We have about a minute until the next commercial break. How long does it take either when someone is self-taught through one of your programs or you're, you're doing the work for them, when do they start to notice a difference in the work that's being done? Well, if we're doing everything for them, three months. If they're doing it themselves, it's going to take maybe a year or a year and a half to really build it up and get it out there because there's so much to learn, so much to do. It's not just creating a great bio. It's not just creating a great um, story. It's creating so many different things all at once and making it a combination so everything runs together. We're going to take a break because I want to come back. and uh, Can you 
Will you stay another segment? Sure. I think we have a little bit more time. We're going to spend one more segment uh, with Leonard Kim, but first we're going to listen to these wonderful commercials from our advertisers. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be back in 90 seconds. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Successfully navigating the changing world of public relations and digital marketing requires an experienced, tenacious, yet gracious team. In business for more than 20 years, Orange County-based and Company delivers big agency results with personalized service. For more information, call us at 714-536-8407 or visit us online at tnco.me. All right, we're in the bonus round now with Leonard Kim. He agreed to stay for one more segment here on Critical Mass Radio Show, and so we're excited to have him here to continue to pick his brain for your benefit. You know, we're talking about personal branding and the relationship between the company's brand and the individual's brand, sort of the leader's brand. Because I think this works, Leonard, tell me if, if you agree. This isn't just for service providers who are also the deliverer of the service. My experience suggests that a president CEO of a middle market company who has, who's maybe a manufacturing company, would be well served and could benefit from having their president CEO kind of having their own brand in the marketplace. Is, is that your experience as well? It is, because if you become the expert in the field as a manufacturer to turn to, then guess what? If I come out with a new clothing line, if my colleague comes out with a new fashion line, they're going to want to turn to someone. And when I go online looking for manufacturers, what do I find? Alibaba. And I'm just sitting there going, okay, I don't really want to ship all this stuff out to China, have it come back, and have no idea how it's going to look when it gets back to me. So if you're a local business owner in your 
community. Let's say you're in Orange County, for example, and you're a manufacturer out here and you specialize in fashion. And I go on Google and I'm going to go look for the uh, fashion expert for the manufacturer. Right. If I find you as a person as opposed to a company, I could start to learn more about you. Mm-hmm. Then if I like you, I could learn more about your company. Is it also... Um does it also benefit in your work that let's pretend for a minute I'm a I am that CEO of a manufacturing company that that I target industry trade publications for placement and being interviewed as well as I understand the value of being Huffington Post and Inc but I but I also think and tell me if you agree that inside your industry there's value there's social proof value of being a contributor to your industry trade magazines and publications yes of course like i mean for example i'm in ink and i'm in these bigger publications but then there's more specialized marketing publications out there like scm rush which is specific to search engine optimization and like sunlane which is about building email lists like, if you become an expert in your subdomains as well, that just becomes that much more powerful because, I mean, Inc. and Fortune, Forbes, Entrepreneur, these are all big overlapping uh, brands, but then you really got to narrow down and get into those niches as well because Inc. gives you the exposure, but then being in, like, one of those smaller publications, like a trade publication, as you were saying, gives you that credibility that you are that expert in that field. Right, as well as speaking at trade conferences, right? Exactly. Being a, being a keynote or at least mm-hmm. leading a seminar. The more that you're – my sense is this – what you're doing with personal branding has some level of overlap to what we've talked about frequently here on Critical Mass Radio Show, which is the concept of content marketing. It is. Um, one example that I really wanted to give that really sticks out is um, you've heard of T-Mobile, right? Yes. T-Mobile used to be like the uh, third or fourth when it came to telecom, and right now their uh, consumer reports are naming them number one. The reason for that is because if you look at AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, none of them have a spokesperson. None of them have a personal brand behind it. But when John Legere, the CEO of T-Mobile, started to go build a personal brand, what did he do? The first thing he did is he put himself out there. Right. The second thing he did is he's like, telecom companies are full of it. They're just hiding fees from you. So he's destroying the uh, image of the telecom industry. But now, as a company, you can't say telecom companies are out there because you're one yourself. Right. But as a person, you can say that. So he took his brand, he combined it with the company brand, put them together, and now like people are like flogging to T-Mobile like no tomorrow so when you're able to uh differentiate yourself from your company but combine those elements together i mean you could go from maybe fifth in your industry third in your industry all the way up to first if you know how to play the personal game brand right well leonard that's that's an interesting example because i wanted to ask a follow-up point on that then is it your recommendation or experience that you need to be counterculture when you do that because he certainly became counterculture right he was he was claiming all the things that are wrong and then he committed not to do those to you to us as clients if we if we switch to him is is it equally as effective if you're not kind of going against the grain in your industry i i recognize how that can certainly get you ink and recognition Mm -hmm. but what's your experience with that me, I don't go against the grain. So it is possible for you to not go counterculture and okay. not go against the grain because I know a lot of people, if I went against the grain, they'd be like, oh, Leonard, you suck, you this, you that, you that, you that. Right. And I don't really have the um, audacity to really go up and go through all of that. So I and play he was in a, he side. was in an industry that had a lot of customer angst. Mm-hmm. So he was he was really a, he was voicing what the industry what was underneath the industry anyway from a customer's perspective right yes so i could see how that would work if that was if that were some of the tenants of your industry but if you're not in that type of an industry 
it wouldn't make sense to take that position potentially. You wouldn't take that position, but you would still build up your personal brand as right. showcasing you as the expert, kind of like that financial um, that financial example I gave you with the yes. financial industry. Yes, he's the uh, founder of that company. Is looking more personable, more reasonable, more like a teddy bear type figure, someone that Safe. you could really trust your kids with. Right, the safe route that works too. It really depends on the industry. And it's it's hard for a lot of people to figure out like where their brand should exactly be. Some people do need to go that um, counterculture way, but other people need to go the safe route. And some people need to go somewhere in between. It depends uh, industry to industry. You know, um, when you're as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking of names like uh, Sir Richard Branson, mm-hmm. right? I'm thinking of Elon Musk, right? I'm thinking of some entrepreneurs who have created. A brand, and for Elon, he has multiple businesses, right? He's not standing in one industry. He's doing everything from planning to send people to space to letting you drive across the country without ever having to buy a drop of gas. True. I mean, there, there's some, and, and putting solar on your house. I mean, there's, there's a common theme relative to technology, but they're in very different industries. So, is it your experience that not not that we're expecting CEOs of middle market companies to have to be Elon Musk to be successful, but in their own space, they can have a a, a, a platform that benefits a bunch of different aspects of their business then, based on those examples, right? They definitely can. And to go back to your manufacturing example, I mean, not everyone wants to go send their uh, co- their uh, manufacturing over to China or overseas. People are still looking for people to build in the United States. So even if you're like in Orange County and Orange County isn't known for being a manufacturing uh, hub, if you're in Orange County and someone from New York is looking for uh, manufacturing and you displayed yourself as an expert, guess what? They could potentially contact you. Someone from Florida could potentially contact you. You just build it up because um, it's really hard to remember the name of a manufacturing company. I mean, right now I'm sitting here and I can't think of a single one. But imagine if there was a person who was great at manufacturing and he had a reputation behind that, then that's a person that people would turn to. Uh, one name, I forgot his name, but he's a guy on Shark Tank, the guy who made FUBU. Like, mm-hmm. when most people think manufacturing, they think of him. Right. So they turn to him. And he's clothing. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's just one example. Like, when you think clothing and you think manufacturing, his name automatically comes up into your head just okay. because of all the personal branding that he did for himself. So if you're doing maybe like, um, candles or aluminum or whatever it may be you could stick out as that person in your specific industry by building up that personal brand so that's the other side of the benefit of doing this and tell me if tell me if this statement is accurate that once you build successfully a brand position in people's minds it tends to stay there it does tend to stay there. And what's great about it is people start recommending you and saying, read this content, read this content, read this content. The next thing you know, like for me, I never went out there and looked for a single customer for my business. They okay. all came to me from articles that were written. And we have this pipeline where like tens, twenties, thirties of people just like fill out this form every single day. And we're like, okay, if they keep filling this out, this is great. We don't really have to market much. We don't really have to do much. And um, you just start to create this pipeline where you don't have to go and do outreach anymore. I, I know one of the biggest problems I had as an entrepreneur in the past was sitting down on the, on the phone, calling someone, and trying to make that sale and that connection. Now it's kind of the other way around where people go online and they type in what they're looking for. 
coincidentally one of my articles may pop up, then they'll either um, send me an email or send me a voicemail stating that they're interested in what I have to offer. So it's kind of flipped around now where I don't have to do, I, I don't think I do any outreach at all. Okay. And mostly everything I do is all just inbound which is pretty great. But help me to understand this, and I'm talking with Leonard Kim, managing partner of in, at Influence Tree, and we're, we're in a bonus round here on Critical Mass Radio Show today, and I'm really excited you were able to stay for a little bit longer. Inc. and other national publications only need so many contributors, mm-hmm. don't they? That's true. I mean, there's not an unlimited footprint for them to for Inc. or online. So what do you recommend? How do you How do you get people to be... I would think those platforms can be can be very choosy in who they allow onto their platform or into their publication. What's the is there a secret there? Earlier you said be personable, don't do a pitch, but I understand that. What else do you help? What else would you advise people to do who who have aspirational goals to be in Huffington Post? I can see how that can benefit you, but again, that's a pretty high reach, isn't it? Um, it could seem like a high reach. I mean, if you want your own column and you want to write for them, then it's kind of far-fetched. Okay. I mean, I had to get 10 million views on my content before I could even be considered for Inc. Okay. So, um, that, so that was a ground rule. That Did they say that to you? I mean, how did you know that? Um, I, I had to get 10 million views, then I applied, then I was able to get it. But I, okay. I'm pretty sure if I applied like two years before, I went and got it. Okay. Because even with 10 million views, like trying to write for Forbes and other places, I was denied. Okay. So it, it's a little hard that way. Um, what I would do if I were you is I'd try to get featured by another writer on the publication. Now, okay. in publications, there's two types of writers. There's staff writers who work for the actual publication. Then there's a contributing writer who's kind of like the position that we just talked about where you have to apply and get it, but you don't actually work for the company. Got it. Most of these contributing writers, they have quotas where they have to make write maybe two articles, four articles, six articles, ten articles a month. And sometimes they might be falling back on the deadline. Maybe they have five articles lined up, their quota is six, and they're short one article for the month, and they're looking for an idea. If you have that idea, you might be able to fit yourself in there. But the only way you're going to know if you can fit yourself in there is, first, you have to identify who the writers of these publications are. Right. Two, you're going to have to start to comment on their articles and build and start conversations. So this is a part of what you're teaching people. You're, you're actually, I feel like I'm in a classroom setting and not a little bit. This is, do you, when you do the individual or when you do the training, when you're not doing the work for people but you're teaching them how to fish, mm-hmm. what is the delivery of that content? Well, what we do first is we help people identify what types of people would probably feature them. Okay. So you go looking for people with similar interests, similar mindsets, similar things that you already currently do. Because, okay. I mean, if you do manufacturing and I do manufacturing, then but then you're not an actual manufacturer owner and there's no conflict of interest, chances are you're going to want to talk about me. Mm-hmm. But then if there's a conflict of interest, that's probably not going to work. Right. Uh, So that's one thing that we help teach people. Another thing we do is we help them um, identify, after they identify which writers there are, we uh, teach them how to set up like Google Alerts to follow these writers so they can see what kind of content they're publishing and when they're publishing. All right. The next thing we teach people is how to like start commenting on their content, saying, wow, this is great, or wow, that point really um, struck home with me and start starting up conversations. Then we um, teach them how to either connect on social media or do email to start up a conversation and a dialogue. Then we teach them to, like let's say you've been writing about um, automobiles for the last year and 
you wrote something about the new uh, Rav Four, and I was like, well, you know what would make this article like ten times better, or one time better, or two times better is if you included this tip and this tip. Then you start helping them with what they're already writing. Then you move on to suggesting ideas for future articles because you built that bond and that okay. relationship. Okay. Then the last thing you could do is offer to write it for them. So we're talking with Leonard Kim, and um, I feel like again, do you when you do the when you're not doing the work when you're teaching people to do this work? Do you do it as a webinar? Do you do it individually? How, how does that delivery of that service happen, Leonard? What we do is we have a seven minute video every single week. It's about seven minutes long, and every single week we go into one uh, area and we go into it for full detail. And the course goes up to fifty two weeks and covers everything you need to know about your personal brand by the seven minute. Mm-hmm snippets so there's a seven minute snippet it okay. comes with this uh transcript which okay. is um not word for word the transcript but more detailed on exactly what you need to do all right then at the same time it gives you like one to three different things that you need to do for that specific week okay like, like we, a homework assignment exactly kind of like how i um showed you the example of uh the uh post-it cards yes like that's probably week one's assignment week three's assignments like um try writing your bio try writing your headliner try writing an article okay try doing this 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 and then after a while you get the groove of everything then you have the full sequence of everything you need to do to build up that personal brand and i i mean sure it could get pretty overwhelming at times because there's so many different elements so at different phases through the course we offer like maybe um if you need help with growth we could help assign you someone for that Mm -hmm. if you need help with your social media calendar because it's too overwhelming we could assign you someone for that okay and like we have that full service package which i told you about earlier but then we have the course and basically when you're in that course it's like a la carte you can pick and choose what you want from that full level service of us doing everything to really help you build up that brand. So um, these are busy people. We have a few minutes mm-hmm. left. These are busy people that are listening to the show. Should they walk away thinking that if they were going to try to build their own personal brand, that it is it, it, how many hour, how much time is required to actually not learn it but practice it? You know what I mean? You're, you're teaching a new set of behaviors all of which will take some amount of time. What is your experience with when people understand your model and are implementing it? How much time are they spending on a daily, weekly basis? In our course, we recommend that people set aside five hours a week. Okay, an hour a the, day. Or... The, the video's seven minutes. Reading over the transcripts, another seven minutes. So that's 15 minutes. So you're really spending like four and a half, four hours and 45 minutes working on actually building up that personal brand. Right. I mean, anything more than that's probably um, overkill, and okay. anything less than that, um, you might not be able to get into the rotation of exactly what you need to do to build that up. Right, because th- this is changing their behavior mm-hmm. in a way, right? This is allocating time to do something that strategically, in your experience, is going to ultimately pay huge, huge dividends. Huge dividends. Right. And what we talked about earlier, you don't lose anything that you've done online, right? It's all cumulative towards building your brand. Yeah, it's evergreen, and it keeps building and building and building. Once that content's out there, it stays out there, and other people can share it in the future. Right. Like, one post I wrote about a year ago, it started getting recirculated, like, last week, and I was like, I didn't even remember writing that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's fantastic. All right, so, Leonard Kim, if someone wants to learn more about the your company the influence tree the work that you do on branding mm-hmm. uh, the course that work that you offer wh- where would you direct them online what's the best place to go my website is influencetree.com that's i n f l u e n c e 
T-R-E-E.com. You could also reach me by email, which is hello, H-E-L-L-O, at leonardkim.com. That's L-E-O-N-A-R-D-K-I-M.com. Well, I've enjoyed this conversation, and I'm glad we had a little bit of extra time to go deeper on what you know. And I want to congratulate you on making a difference for people and for your own brand. It's I've been thoroughly enjoying this interview. Thanks for being a friend of the program, and welcome to our community. Thank you so much, Rick. I do appreciate your time. My my pleasure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do that's going to do it here for this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. Uh, a couple things before we leave. Just want to let you know that if you'd like to follow me on LinkedIn, I am Richard Rick F R A N Z I Franzi. CEO Peer Groups is my Twitter handle. Would love to have you and join me in a conversation on Twitter. As I said on your favorite podcasting software type, Critical Mass Radio Show. Don't miss our YouTube channel, Richard Franzi. We're actually videotaping today's interview with Leonard, and it'll be up on the uh, website shortly, Richard Franzi. And finally, our show has reached over 170,000 listeners with our podcast since we started in 2009. Our show is brought to you by our advertisers, Center Club, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, SunUp Group, T and Company. Our engineer for today was Paul Roberts. Our producer is Joan Park, and I'm your host, Rick Franzi. Finally, if you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass Radio Show, maybe you want to suggest a guest, maybe you want to advertise, or you'd like to find out about our CEO peer group mastermind groups, visit Critical Mass for forbusiness.com. Until the next show, I hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi, 